Thank you so much. People, we ran a positive campaign. We campaigned on the issue. The issue is change. Change for the future. The people have spoken. not what your country can do for you. You have nothing to fear but fear itself. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Live free or die. And in conclusion, read my lips. Certain long Prescott runs it up the middle. 15, 10, 5, diving to the run. What about people who say you're only interested in the Middle East for oil? What? Huh? Oil? Who said some of my oil, bitch? You cooking? Welcome back. This is the Zero to 100 podcast. This is episode 13. Once again, I'm your host, William Walker Jr. So in this episode, I decided to do things a little bit differently. As you can see, I also changed the opening theme up a little bit, like I said I would do. Uh, I find that clip from Eddie Murphy's uh, The Distinguished Gentleman absolutely hilarious, but I also think it's fitting when you're talking about politicians and politics because... A lot of times, I feel like sometimes people just listen to sound bites and they go, ah, let's go crazy, you hear that sound bite? He's talking, like, and I just thought that scene was absolutely hilarious where he was taking um, famous sound bites from speeches, but not even actually finishing the sound bite in its entirety and just everybody was going nuts. So that's a classic, it's an underrated classic. Um, but this episode itself is going to be about politics. I am joined, I have three guests in this episode. I was joined by my uh, cousin uh, and doctor, Ebony, and then my uh, friend, Christina, and we had uh, a really good conversation about politics. Um, in fact, it was so long, what I decided to do was break it up. So in this first part, we discuss the abortion laws that have been passed around this country and how it's affecting women, especially um, how it affects um, one of the elements of it is how it affects women of color. And we had a really good discussion in that regard. And then um, the second part, which is going to be in another episode, we actually got into uh, the Trump administration and how we, our thoughts and feelings on him and uh, the fact that even though despite all the stuff he's done, 
It doesn't look like he'll get impeached right now. Not yet. Fingers crossed. And I'm joined by my niece in the other part of the episode. I'm joined by my niece, Samaya, who is um, going to be voting for the first time. And we had a really nice and uh, interesting conversation about politics in general and just her perspective as she prepares to vote for the first time. Uh, Once again, this is the Zero to 100 podcast. It is now available on Apple, so you can get it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast. We're making moves, but this is a Zero to 100 podcast, episode 13, and let's get political. This is the Zero to 100 podcast, episode 13. I have the great pleasure of being joined by my friend Christina once again, and also a very special guest, my cousin, Dr. Ebony Walker. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello. So I wanted to get you guys on. Well, one in particular, I wanted to get women on because I feel like this subject is super important to women. Um, I, I mean, we're going to get into other politic topics because um, I just feel like there's a lot going on in politics right now. And I really like hearing feedback from different people. And I value your opinions, especially because I think you guys are very socially conscious. And I like to have socially conscious people on. But uh, to get started, uh, I figure I would like to talk about this abortion issue that is spreading through the country because there's actually nine states that have passed new abortion laws, uh, which I think are actually quite insane to me. And I'm trying to make some sense of it, but I also wanted to get a woman's perspective. And you guys are two super intelligent women, so I wanted to have you on. Awesome. All right, let's do this. Okay. So, actually, Ebony, I wanted to ask you something uh, right off the jump, especially since you're a doctor. Um, Like, when I was looking into it, so, like I said, there's nine states that have actually passed new abortion laws this year. And those states are Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Ohio, Arkansas, and Utah. And the most... um, the craziest one to, is definitely Alabama because their new law actually states that the only way a woman can get an abortion is if they're at a, like if it's a um, risk to the mother. So if there's a health risk, that's the only reason they can get it. Um, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Ohio have it to where if it's uh, six to eight weeks, you can't, like, like that's the only time you can get an abortion if it's within six to eight weeks. And then with Arkansas and Utah, it's within 18 to 22 weeks. So, as a doctor, could you explain to us, like, what is that, like, significance of that short time frame? Because it's like, you know, six to eight weeks, that's two months. Like, a month and a half in two months. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I think that that's, I, I'm really, really shocked that those things are um, passing into, passing legislation. And obviously, poli- 
politics and policy isn't my area of expertise. So I can't speak to how that happened, but I also feel vice versa. Mm -hmm. Medicine and um, prenatal care and obstetrical care and gynecological care is not politicians' area of expertise. So the two shouldn't really cross as much as they have. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as when you find out, so typically patients will find out um, that they're pregnant in about six to eight weeks. So your first trimester is um, technically over at 12 weeks. Um, So a lot of times, and and it depends on whether or not what your history is. So for most women, if they miss one period, then they kind of are thinking, well, I haven't had my period. Let me take a home pregnancy test. And okay, it's positive, let me follow up with my doctor. And some women don't have regular periods. So that six to eight week mark may not even alert alert them to say, let me look to see if I may be pregnant. I mean, that's in a perfect case scenario if you're in a committed relationship or even not even in a committed relationship, but let's say you're trying and so you're tracking your cycles more regularly. But for women who maybe have um, medical conditions that cause them to not have periods regularly, six to eight weeks, you may not even recognize that something is um, that you've missed a period. Additionally, there's women that um, are pregnant and have periods in the beginning or they have spotting, and so it doesn't alert them. So to say that you can't... um, choose to terminate a pregnancy um, if you're beyond six to eight weeks is really absurd because that means that you could potentially have to find out and make a decision in the same day, and then those are procedures that have to be scheduled. So it's not very realistic at all um, for that to be, even let's say if we were in agreement that for whatever ludicrous reason we were going to say we agree with this law, the six to eight week time frame it's just not even reasonable medically for a number of reasons. So what's what's some of those reasons? Like, because that was my thought. Like, when I heard, like, the time frame of six to eight weeks and then, in, like, the case of Arkansas and Utah, they go 18 to 22. Like, that seems incredibly short to me. And it's like, is there even a medical basis for, like, a child being able to survive at that? Like, let's say a woman is premature like you know you have because you have premature babies born but to say that a baby is going to be delivered within six to eight weeks or 18 to 22 seems like that doesn't seem like possible to me no it's absolutely not possible i mean you can detect a fetal heartbeat so maybe that's where that thought is coming from um that early mm-hmm but so you certainly on ultrasound can't determine the sex of the baby mm-hmm. um, and it can't survive outside of the body. Um, it can't survive in a laboratory. It can't survive outside the uterus as science medicine is today. So I'm not really sure what the driving factor is for six to eight weeks, to be honest, or why that was. Like, I could... I mean, like, as a layperson, I would think, okay, a first trimester, which, I, like I said, goes up to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure what the thought of the politicians 
is behind why they have chosen to target that time frame. Mm -hmm. Can I answer that? I have a sneaky suggestion as to why. Because the reality is is that they are so against abortion. So this is their way by putting this crazy time frame that is not feasible. They're basically not giving women the choice to abort because a lot of these Republicans hate Roe versus uh, Wade. Mm -hmm. So this is their way to circumvent that. If we give them such a tight, 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 tight deadline that they can't even do it, then we're not violating the Constitution because they because they're seeing that technically, oh yeah, well they well they they can get an abortion, but you know uh, they have to do it in in this time frame. And if they can't, oh well. So that's what I think. I think this is just a way of just circumventing the, the uh, Roe uh, versus uh, Wade um, uh, argument. Yeah, I can see that. It's you know. I agree with that. I mean, I know whenever it comes up for election time, um, mm-hmm. Republicans go hard in regards to the uh, pro-life argument. And, you know, they, in fact, it's like even Democrats, I noticed like whenever somebody's coming up, they're like, oh, we have to protect Roe, Roe v. Wade. And for those of the, you know, just for the people who don't know, Roe v. Wade was a Supreme Court ruling um, in 1973 that gave women the right to have um, abortions up until a point where a fetus could be, you know, viable outside the uterus. But usually it was like the time frame that they said was okay is between 24 and 28 weeks. Um, so it's like, I I can, like, I don't understand, like, like that is 24, 28 weeks was that time frame. And so, yeah, it's like I can see how these Republicans are trying to go, oh, well, let's go to six to eight because, oh, well, you can get it, but you have to be within that time frame. And I guess the thing that's so disturbing to me, and I want to get your guys' opinion on it, is Alabama's law in particular is incredibly disturbing because they don't even have a weak time frame on it. They just go, the only way you can get it is if a, a, you know, if the woman is at risk health wise, so otherwise you can't get it period. And so to me, that's like, that means if a woman is raped, she can't get an abortion. And I just think that's like, you know, it's utterly insane. And like, what are, what are your thoughts on it? I could not hear a lot of what you're saying. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the question? I'm sorry. What I was saying was, (laughs) so Alabama has the most strict, like the absolute most strict, um, like uh, abortion law. Yeah, their version of the abortion law is very strict, which I think is just so ironic. But okay, go ahead. So it's like, you know, my thought is, is you know, it's insane to say for a woman, like, oh, if you get raped by somebody, you can't get an abortion. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm not a woman. So it's like, right. it's insane to me, but I'm very curious as to, like, what are you guys thinking as all this stuff is going on? I mean, personally, I just feel like a lot of uh, Republicans in particular uh, feel that the Democrats and the liberals are pushing their agenda, which is, you know, women's rights, uh, uh, you know, being more inclusive than everyone, of everyone, uh, you know, uh, gay rights, stuff like that. I just feel like this is their way of, of trying to 
desperately exercise uh, some power. I, I, honestly, I really feel like it, this has really nothing to do with abortion itself. This has to do with way a bunch of other things that are, I think people are not um, perhaps connecting the dots. You know, it's, it's, I feel like it's a war against women. It's a war against this progressive movement that's happening where people are not as conservative as they, they should, as they, um, as they once were. Um, I don't really think it's necessarily about abortions. I also do feel like, and um, I don't know if you ever listened to it, it's from Jane Elliott. And she perfectly, she described it perfect. She, she said it. She's like, this has to do with um, increasing the white population because the white population is going down. And there are, this, you know, the population of brown and brown, I'm sorry, brown and black people are going up. You know, white people are not having as many kids. So I feel like this is just their way of trying to get their numbers up. And she has like a whole video of it. And it's actually, I feel like it's very valid. And do I think that's the specific reason why? No, I do think that, I do think it's, it's definitely a bunch of different reasons. And it really doesn't have to do with um, what they feel that abortion is, is, it goes against their religion, da 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 da, da. Most of these Republicans who have, who are approved these are the same Republicans that have their mistress, mistresses do have abortions mm. when they get pregnant because they don't mm. want their wife to find out. So it's, it's ironic to me. And, and also, it's also ironic because Alabama is what, like, one of the worst states in education and mm-hmm. student and in, in kids' education. So it's clearly not about kids because your own state is horrible in terms of education. So, like I said, for me, I just feel like it's because they're just upset of this movement towards a more a progressive or a more liberal, more Democrat um, world that 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 it's moving to, and this is just their way of trying to pull back on that as much as they can. Like, they're just, they're just grasping a straw at this point. Mm-hmm. Ab, you got anything to add? Well, I just, one of the things that I haven't really seen discussed is that um, a hot political item for Democrats in particular is um, the fact that black women have a higher mortality rate Mm-hmm. Birth. And mm-hmm. so, you know, to say, one, that medically reasonable is the only allowed time that you can perform abortions. Um, so that gets very, very murky, and that actually compromises the integrity of, provide, of providers. So if I have a patient and they express, you know, that they really for whatever reason, whether economical, whether it's mental, like, okay, if you tell me that mentally I'm not prepared, I'm not stable, um, I'm having manic episodes, I'm, whatever, but that's not technically a physical condition, mm-hmm. would that be allowed for me to perform that? Um, does that mean that now providers are going to empathize with what's best for their patients? Because I can tell you now, and now I'm on the administrative side of medicine, Every doctor hates for forces outside of themselves to dictate the way that they care for their patients. Mm-hmm. Every single one. They hate when politics tells them how to practice. They hate when administrators like myself tell them how to practice. They hate when insurance companies dictate how they practice. So um, now I foresee physicians being in a position where maybe they are not being as truthful in their medical record in order to be able to perform without fear of being, um, 
penalized, which is a really dangerous place to be. Um, and then, like I said, now that we're talking about what Christina said was interesting, and I had heard that um, once before, is that if black women are dying at a higher rate um, during childbirth, which is an absolute fact, and mm-hmm. now you're saying, okay, you can't have an abortion unless it's medically necessary, how about we fix that problem first? How about mm-hmm. we figure out why black women are dying faster and at a higher rate during childbirth in you know, one of the countries that has one of the best healthcare systems in the world um, as far as education and access. Mm-hmm. Um, now, financially, we may not be the best, but as far as the actual technology being available to us, we have one of the best. And so that's an interesting perspective um, to say, is this another way of putting us at risk or somehow um, decreasing you know, black women population, mm-hmm. because that that is a fact. The other thing that I was going to add is that um, as far as from a provider standpoint, getting back to what's medically necessary, is I think that it gets really dangerous when you say that's the only time, because like I said, there can be physical things, there can be mental things, um, there can, things can change in the blink of an eye, um, if women don't feel as though that's an option for them, just like in the 70s when there was an increasing number of people having illegal abortions, um, I fear if that's the way that things will go. Mm-hmm. Is Does it mean that you can't give um, medication, you know, um, I forget what the lay term is, but the day after pill. Um, can you Pl- not prescribe oh, that? Does so that B. mean that students that are going... Um, to medical school and residency, can they not be trained in these techniques if they plan to practice outside of Alabama? It just becomes like a, a rabbit hole that I don't yeah. think politicians really think about because it's not their area of expertise. So they shouldn't, they shouldn't, absolutely shouldn't be the ones that are driving, you know, the decisions as far as that's concerned. That's a great point. That's just to go to your point, what you were saying earlier about, um, why are we, why are black women um, are dying? I think it has a lot to do with a podcast that Will and I did a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it was about my own experience at the hospital where basically, I'm not sure if you heard it, but basically like I had to have half my thyroid removed because I had thyroid cancer and the nurse would not, um, the medication that they were giving me wasn't working and the nurse was getting frustrated and started talking um, trash about me to another nurse and said he didn't believe that I was in pain and thought that I was asking for drugs just to ask for drugs. You know, so I think that has a lot to do with why um, women are not believed when, when we're treated like second-class citizens. We are, they, I think a lot of it has to do with slavery, you know. Slavery is the root of a lot of these things. Um, and they believe that women can handle pain a lot more. So it's sort of like, and, you know, she can handle it. She's all right. She's fine. Um, and, again, just like we're just, our pain is just simply not believed. I, I believe that's a few of the reasons as to why. Uh, women are dying in, in, in you know, giving birth. Um, but either way, it's just uh, yeah. I yeah, think you guys, you guys brought up some interesting points that I wasn't even like really thinking of because I, I had heard. Um, I, th- I think I had seen the video that you was talking about, Chris, in regards to that thought of. Jane Elliott. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. You know, um, like I love Jane Elliott. She's the bomb. She is bomb. And it's like I, you know, Ebony, you made a really great point too because it's funny to me how these are people that, like you said, they don't have medical uh, expertise yet they're trying to make decisions or pass laws based off of stuff that they have no expertise in. Like they don't know, like you know, it's 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 a little ridiculous to me that like they don't know what the terms are, or what the um, like, you know, what are the good reasons for it? And they're just doing it off of a, um, like, they're, they're, they're prejudged or they're pre- preconceived, like, moral um, guidelines, which not everybody adheres to. And I just think that's a little uh, crazy. What? It, I'm sorry, I go mean, ahead. It shouldn't be surprising, though, because this is not the first time where they've made rules uh, and laws that don't make sense or, or are, they didn't seek proper advice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. I, I mean, if you, I, I, I always think about that, that hearing where Mark Zuckerberg is trying to explain to them about like, how <laughs> yeah. the internet works. And these are the same people yes. who then make rules about internet and they don't have no idea how it works. That was, yeah, they are making rules. That was no comical. Like, if anybody ever saw that, yeah, I remember the clips from that, and that thing was comical, especially, like, when the one, I think it was one of the congressmen kept asking him a question mm-hmm. about, like, can I, um, if I email you something, or something, it was so, so, like, he didn't even, like, understand how Facebook actually works, mm-hmm. and it was like, so, yeah, but these are the people that are trying to pass laws and stuff, um, uh, do you guys you guys know who Alexandria uh, Ocasio Cortez is, right? That's my girl. Yeah, oh, sure do. Okay, so she said something really interesting to me. Um, like when she when this first started getting passed, like, and um, this was uh, what she had said to reporters. She was saying abortion bans aren't just about controlling women's bodies; they're about controlling women's sexuality, owning women. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes on to say from limiting birth control to banning comprehensive sex education, U.S. religious fundamentalists are working hard to outlaw sex that falls outside their theology. Do you guys feel like she's right in that regard? Like, in, 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 um, I do, but I, oh, I'm trying to understand the motive behind it. So, um, two of my best friends are. Um, OBGYN, mm-hmm. board certified, yay. And um, one of them, I mean, we're all Christians. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to understand this, like, over-zealous, over-religious kind of, um, I guess, motive that a lot of conservatives fall back on. And I remember 12 years ago when we all met in graduate school as we were trying to get into medical school, one of my friends who has stuck with her passion as to why she wanted to go into women's health was so that she could help bridge the gap between, you know, church and sexuality and young girls understanding their bodies. And she feels like that's her ministry, that's her calling, is to educate in church um, girls to understand, you know, sex, sexuality, their bodies, to open up that conversation and to and and to see someone who is 
in women's health who is clearly qualified to talk about it and to educate and to say, I want to bring these two things together. I can't understand sort of the motive behind, you know, quelching unless, like I said, that's just a scapegoat, which to Christina's point, to say, okay, somehow we're going to tie this to white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't, the two to me, I mean, even your most, your strictest, um, religious zealot is not, it it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to say that, like I've heard um, pastors say, abortion is murder and things like that, but when you get down deeper into it, um, they're saying, okay, but that's between that person and God. You Mm -hmm. know, I have my my job to do, so to speak, um, to preach and spread gospel, so I don't really know that it's so much about suppressing sexuality and suppressing women's rights. And I've always said that I personally don't identify with women's rights um, as much as I identify with black rights. Like, I feel like I'm a black woman before I'm a woman, I'm black. And so I really do feel like it's a good point that Christina brought up that it has to be deeper than just women's rights and, and suppressing women's sexuality and 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 taking out education and sex education and things like that, I think that it, I think that the motive is a little bit stronger than that, and I think it's racially motivated. Mm. Chris? Um, I love, I love Alexandria. I think she's right. Um, I, I, yes, I agree with her. I think, I think she has an interesting point, but... I think it would be very silly of us to be like, oh, her point is exactly why they're going afterwards. Mm -hmm. I think her point kind of ties a little bit back to what I was saying, which is we are moving into this kind of, you know, liberal gay rights and and women rights. And I I agree with you. I I, I don't identify with the the feminine movement because that's really mostly for white women. Um, But I, I do feel like, Unfortunately, there are way more men in in um, in our Congress and in the, the Senate, and they're old white men, and uh, this is their way of trying to, you know, show off. Okay, you can go and be as progressive as you can, but we still we still have this point that we can use against you. And I just think, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with control, and obviously there's some other reasons there too. Some are probably not as I mean, there's definitely some that. Um, it's not obvious to me other than the ones that I stated earlier, but um, I do feel like, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's controlling. I, you know, the reality is that these Republicans do not like gay people. They hate them. They hate the fact that women are gaining power, both black and just regular you know, white women. I mean, they hate that because they, they are losing power themselves. So, you know, I, I, I think she, you know, she has a valid point that this is kind of, a way of getting back at us. I mean, that kind of sounds a little juvenile, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, when I when I've read it, it's like I I agree with her to uh you know for the most part like. Yeah, I, I think it's like I think it definitely like Ebony was saying to me it goes beyond the religious aspect of it. Like I don't I don't tie that much into it in that regard, but I definitely agree with her in regards to I definitely feel like it's a form of control and um I mean the thing that kills me I would say with a lot of pro-life I mean I'm pro-choice um I'm just 
And the reason I'm saying is like, even though I'm a Christian, I'm very religious and I, you know, you know, leaving that part aspect of it to the side, I always look at it as God gives us free choice. Like he gives us free will. Like we're not robots. And to me, for them to sit there and put these laws in place to try to do this thing, is it's almost like I feel like you're trying to strip away a person's free will. And that's the whole essence of what God is. God doesn't want you to, like, um, you know, follow him just because, like, he, we're not robots. Like, we have the choice to either believe in him or not. And and um, so it's like it really angers me at times when I see people who are pro-choice try to, beat you over the head with a Bible and try to, you know, say, oh, well, you're a murderer in this thing, baby. And like, first off, you don't know if God intended for that child to be here or not because nobody knows when a child is actually supposed to be here except for God. So it's just, you know, that's where I kind of get away from the that aspect of it. But I definitely feel, agree with you guys in regards to, it, it definitely feels like a form of control. I know I kind of went off for a little bit on a tangent there, but that's just that was just my thoughts on it. But yeah, I I mean I was, I I like to tell people it's like I I'm not about pro choice or pro life. I'm about pro minding my own damn business. <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't have to tell you what you can and cannot do to your body. Yes, abortion is not pretty. It's not nice. Some of the techniques they use, yes, it's, it's grotesque. We love, we, we, you know, we, let's call it spade a spade. But that's none of my business, what you want to do to your body, because at the end of the day, it's your body and your pocketbook, because children are expensive. You know what I mean? So I'm on my business. And, uh, you know, regardless of what, I think that's another argument, too, is like they want to, you know, oh, it, the Bible says is this and it's that. but And that's true. But just because you believe that doesn't mean you should impose that belief on other people. And that's why I say I'm pro minding your own damn business. If it don't <laughs> affect you, then don't worry about it. If you don't want to get an abortion, don't get an abortion. That's what I say. If you don't want, if you don't like gay marriage, don't get into gay, don't get into gay marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, what's that old saying that uh, Monica says? She says to me all the time, and I crack up laughing. Which you, which uh, what I eat don't make you shit. And, it's, and, it's just, and I just feel like that's the truth. If, if you don't like those things, you don't have to do it. But you shouldn't be dictating what somebody else can and cannot do with their body. What mm-hmm. somebody who somebody should and should not marry. That's not up to you. That's up to them. At the end of the day, mind mm-hmm. your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, one thing that we haven't brought up is that you know we've said it. It's attack on women. Um, it may be racially motivated that politicians aren't qualified, but let's not act like everyone, every woman who undergoes an abortion procedure, it, that they were the ones who desired it. Let's not act like mm. conservative white men don't have two, three, four, five, six mm-hmm. double digits of Ooh. women have driven, funded, threatened. Exactly. They pleaded to have an abortion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. So I was saying that was saying before. I was like, these same guys that are voting, oh, they're, they're so anti-abortion. Yeah. These are the same dudes that ask their mistresses, their mistresses, to have abortions. Yeah, so
one of the um, it was one of the congressmen of Georgia or one of the, the state representatives in Georgia had been like they had found record that he had um, that a woman had an abortion that he urged like someone he had an affair with he urged them to have an abortion so yeah I, I definitely agree with you guys in that regard I mean you know p- Republicans in general like I, I you know it's so hard for me. Like I try to be objective. I try to look at both sides of things at times because I feel like in our politics is it's way too much of a us versus them mentality. But the thing that kills me the most with Republicans, and I hate to say it, is just that they are so hypocritical, and it it drives me insane to me with their level of hypocrisy. And I'm gonna get a little off tangent here. But it's like, if I just look at all the stuff that Trump does, and can you imagine if Obama tried to do half the stuff? Like, not even half, just like a fraction, like a tiny third of the stuff that Trump does. And Republicans would be like, like they used to always try to build themselves as this morally upstanding and upright conservative people, yet you got a dude that's in office that... Before he got even got in there, it was like, oh, grab him by the, you know. So it's, it's like, and then he was like, oh, who cares? Or it's like he, he has affairs blatantly, and they're like, oh, who cares? And it's just like they, so it's like even from this abortion standpoint, it's like, like y'all said, the reality of it is, yeah, they got women that they didn't want to have kids, and then yet they're like, oh, no, we got to take a stand. But you didn't take a stand with your own situation. That's just, you know, they just reek of hypocrisy to me. And that that's one of the other things that really just irritates me to the highest level. So that was the first part of the conversation I had with uh, Dr. Ebony Wicker and Christina. And um, so, like I said, in the uh, next episode or a future episode, I'm going to have the uh, other half of our conversation So now I'm going to share the interview or the discussion or the conversation that I had with my niece, Samaya, and uh, she is going to be voting for the very first time. This is the Zero to 100 podcast, episode 13. Thank you once again for joining me. This is the Zero to 100 podcast. This is episode 13, and I've broken this episode up a little bit because I had... um, very long conversation with my cousin, Dr. Ebony Walker, and then my friend Christina. But I also wanted to get some different viewpoints on some um, uh, politic matters. And I want to get a young person's perspective. So I am joined by my amazing and oh-so-talented niece, Samaya. Hi. Hello. So... It's uh, election season is fast approaching, and this is you just turned eighteen. Yep. And so this is the first time. Are you registered to vote? Yep. Excellent. So this is going to be your first time voting. Yep. So I would like to know what are some of the issues that are important to you. Okay. So I'm very passionate. Oh, well, I don't know. I I really care about gun reform. Um. Also, I would be interested in a candidate that is an advocate for um, environmental policies. 
Um, healthcare reform, that also. Hmm. Then, I mean, I think those are my top few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you say, like, um, gun reform, because I feel like you guys in high school or in school's period now are dealing with a lot of issues that we never really even thought about. Like, uh, I mean, we there was kids where we would have fights in school and then kids just get bullied. and But it never came across our mind that there was, like, going to be an active shooter there or anything. Did your school have, like, active shooter drills? Yes. Now, we don't... They say, like, a code red or, like, a lockdown. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I do know there was this one time, now, I don't know why all the schools in Red Clay had to do it, but, like, there was, like, a suspicious figure walking by one of the schools, so everybody in Red Clay went on, like, uh, Code Red lockdown, and it was, like, all these rumors were going by, and we didn't know what was going on, but it was, like, we just, you know, like, we hid inside the classroom, and if you were in the hallways, you're supposed to go to a different classroom and hide and they lock the doors, and they say stay away from the windows. They turn the lights off and all that. So, I mean, that's... And we've done that since, like, elementary school. So... Since elementary? Yeah. Good grief. I mean, I guess it's... It, it's I'm trying to think. Do you remember the Sandy Hook school yeah. shooting? How old were you when I think happened? I was 12. Okay. Yeah. See, and I guess that's the thing that's so heartbreaking to me, that... You had to get used to doing that. Like, we had fire drills. Like, yeah. you know, that was what we used to do. And that was the thing. Like, no, there was at no point in time when we were in high school that, um, you know, and I'm 39 now. And it's so it's been yeah. tw- 21 years since I've been in high school. But it's like, even growing up, it's like, you, it's just something you never thought about. And I guess it's, it's very similar to airline travel after uh, 9-11 because... You know, a lot of people complained about it, uh, about the different securities, but everybody accepted because that's, you know, because of what happened. So is it that's how you and your friends feel? Like, you know, this is just the way of the world? Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of times we just joke around. Like, I remember one time we were all like making all this noise and I was like, oh my goodness, if there were someone in here, we would all die because we're making too much noise. And we just laugh. People would like laugh about it, but I mean, it's really serious. Yeah. And it's like the thing is, they don't tell you if it's real or not, and so it could have been real, but we wouldn't have known. So I mean, I guess they would have told us over the well, yeah. if it was real, but like. I mean, I I guess that's the thing that makes me a little sad because, especially in this country, when it comes to gun reform. It's like, I feel like, sadly, a lot of us are becoming so jaded to it. And that's why it's like, it was really, like, I was really hopeful and inspired after the uh, Stoneman Douglas shooting in Florida because the way that the kids down there really got active in regards to politics. And I felt like, well, that's the generation that's going to be making a difference here. And... I feel like a little bit of that excitement and momentum has died down. And so to hear that you guys kind of joke about it a little bit, not, not saying because that's 
look, kids, we do that. Like, yeah. that's what people do, period. When we were young, I remember there were serious things that we used to joke about a lot all the time. And then we look back on it like, why are we joking about oh, that? Oh, my goodness. But I guess it, it makes me a little sad that it's even affecting you guys to the point where you're, like, used to it and kind of jaded by it. Or, like, do you feel jaded? Do you guys feel like you can really make a difference in, the in uh, like, upcoming elections? I know that I do. I feel that. But I am no talking to friends. They don't. Like, I was just talking to one of my friends, and she's like, I'm not participating in voting at all. I don't think my vote matters. The election's rigged, so I'm not participating. Now, she says she'd be interested in participating in local elections, but, like, uh... The presidential election, she's not interested in that. And then I just feel like people from my school, I can tell with, like, sports and clubs, they're not interested in getting involved. So I can say for, like, kids who go to my school, they're probably... There's a few people, like a small group of us, like our National Honor Society, who's, Mm -hmm. like, involved and want to get, like, involved in, like, community and politics. And, like, for my politics and government class, they would like to do that, but, like, everybody else doesn't seem to, like, care. And, I mean, for me, like, thinking about, like, how they're, like, going around saying the world's going to end pretty soon, I'm like, yeah. It kind of feels like there's no, there's nothing left we can do. We've already wasted our time, so there's, like, anything we do would probably be for nothing. So, might as well just go out with the bang. So you feel like that's the view that they you feel like they have? That's my view. No. A little bit. Good. No, li- okay. So, that's so pessimistic. Okay. <laughs> Cuz that's one of the things I feel like people feel today is like, okay, I can like participate, I can go to meetings, I can talk to my representatives, I can vote, but my it, all that won't matter unless other people do it as well. If we get a lot more people to do it, then it might change something. So I mean, for me, yeah, I can say that. But no matter no matter how much I talk to my friends and tell them how what they think about like the election being rigged or their vote doesn't matter, I can't change their opinion. Yeah, and I can't change their mind unless they like listen to me. So I think that's a but the fact that you you seem to care yeah. is the important thing. And I think that's the thing I want people to, to like, because it does. Like, I mean, I, you know, after 2016, it's very easy to get jaded. Like, it's very easy to sit there and go, oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to hear that your friend says she cares about local politics because that is where it really matters and not enough people care about local stuff. Like, um, you know, because a lot of things that are going on in this country like laws that are getting passed and not passed is a result of who's in this like local government and stuff like that. So I'm very happy to hear that you that your friend is um, interested in that. And and in terms of like yeah, you can't change somebody's opinion. You can't uh, make them think the same way you do. I do think it's good that you still try mm-hmm. to share your viewpoints and tell them why it's important because. It's like it's it's like um you know me and Uncle Ricky was talking in one of the podcasts before when he was talking about his podcast, which is called F Living Rich and Dying Broke. I'm plugging his podcast again, but um, it's he was talking about. I said to him like, well, what do you hope to get out of it? And he was just saying, I just if I can just help one person, 
And it's like I think about like even though I hated the movie, um, well, no, I didn't hate that movie. Justice League, I didn't hate it. I still think it's a really good line that Batman said to Flash, and it's like just save one, yeah. and then you just go from there. And so it's like I think. I think if more people had that attitude to where if I could reach at least one person and then that person can reach one yeah. person and that person can reach one person because we we can, like, it's, you know, we can make a difference. And it doesn't seem like it sometimes. It definitely doesn't. It really is frustrating at times when you see stuff that goes on. And, um, like, I know I get super frustrated at people in Congress because it's like, I'm like, you guys suck at your job. Like, your job is to pass laws. And that was the thing that frustrated me the most during Obama's time. Because you had Republicans who were like, yeah. I'm just saying no. And I don't care what you want to do. I'm not doing anything. My job is to just say no. No, it's not, you idiot. That's not your job. Your job is to actually pass laws and to compromise and work and try to make this country better you're not doing your job and that's the thing that it drove me the most crazy and frustrated and when i'd be wanting obama to get up there and be like i'm the h and i c do you know what the h and i c stands for h n i c yes did you ever see lean on me oh my god samaya you know, I know what the what it means, <laughs> but no, I haven't watched that. One. You never seen Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman as Principal Joe Clark? Oh, wait. Oh, you said Morgan Freeman. Yeah, dude. Just look. I know I'm taking up some time here, and this is what this is a totally different subject matter, and we're getting a little <laughs> off tangent, but. Like, we're getting a little off topic, and we're going on a tangent here, but I need to know. Did you see Lean On Me? Okay, was it? Boy, do you smoke crack? Go ahead and jump. If you... Wait, was it? It was like the school was like really, really bad. Yes. And then he came in. And I don't know it. why, but I want to think it was Denzel Washington. Oh, my goodness. She didn't see it. I saw a, cl- I saw a part of I'm it. I'm going to get you to see the movie because okay. you need to know this. If somebody comes to you, boy, do you smoke crack? You should know what that means. Or go ahead and jump. You kill your, it kills your brain cells, son. Kills your brain Yeah, I, I think I remember Oh, my goodness, Amaya. It's okay. I'm going to... I'm gonna stop now. We're gonna get no, back on. Okay, no, we're okay, gonna get back on okay. topic. Okay. Because you just well, you gotta educate your kids. They need to see these movies, people. They need to notice these are classics. That's like if you said you never seen Coming to America. Wait a minute. No. Wait I've a seen, minute. I've seen it. Okay. All right. Okay. Woo! You scared? I'm, I'm supposed to be like. Like, what is happening here? What is going on? Okay, anyway, let's get back on topic. So, there's a lot of candidates Mm -hmm. that are running on the Democratic side. But, I'm not even going to say you're going to vote Democratic. You might want to vote Independent or anything. Oh. But, you might want to vote Republican. Which Anyway, yes, I whisper because that sounds crazy to me. But, do you feel like... Um, are are there any candidates like do you know anything about any of them yet? Would you say? Except for the ones you told me about. Oh, okay. That one time. Okay. So, do you feel like um, like do you feel like are you excited to vote? Are you looking forward to it? 
I'm looking forward to the election. I mean, I don't really care, but look. Well, yeah, I want to vote. I just want to see what the outcome's going to be like. Because this, this election is going to be very, very important to, for the next few years. And mm-hmm. possibly it's going to be important to how we're going to be living. Because, I mean, I don't know. They were, they were memes. I don't know if it has any truth or scientific truth to it. But they were like, uh, by the time we get to 2030, the world is going to be pretty much, we, it's going to be so far going, there's nothing left we could do to save ourselves. So, based on... From like went, a... From a, a from I believe, environment? Yeah, environment. But like, I mean, once that goes, everything else is just going to come crumbling down as well, I feel. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we're going to... I like. I feel like the end is near. Oh, but good grief! So. That's the the. I'm gonna say. Let me say this. I want you guys. I get it. When Trump's in there, things definitely look like it's going downhill. But you guys have a chance to make a difference. But nobody understands that. Boy, I just don't want you to have such a, a like a nihilistic or nihilistic uh, like point of view. Like I want you to be hopeful. It's like okay, think of it like this, right? Mm-hmm. You're sitting down, you're taking a standardized test, right? You're like, okay, I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna try my best. So you're going through the test. You're going through the test, right? And then the the, the proctor's like, okay, you have like 30 minutes left, and I was like. Okay, now, while you're going through the test, you're like, this is hard, or, like, it's boring, I can't really concentrate or focus because it's going on for so long. I kind of don't care how well I do, I just want to get it over with. (laughs) So, when the proctor says 30 minutes, you're like, okay, great, oh, we have 30 minutes left of this. So then, the proctor says, you have 10 minutes. I'm like, great, I'm not even done yet, but I don't care because I only have 10 minutes left. I just got to get fit. Do as much as I possibly can to the best of my ability for the next ten minutes. So that's what I. That's how I feel about. Okay. So, so like, you feel like life- I just need to do my best, make a difference, help people out up until that time where everything is over. Until I've reached the end of my life, and then I'm like, okay. Okay. That's I feel little, like though the proctor little- saying we have thirty more years, maybe. 50 more years le- left, and I'm like, okay, just it's gotta little, keep going. That's a little bit better, yeah. I guess. I can feel a little it's bit more like, comfortable yeah, with that as opposed to you feeling like, what's the point? Like, yeah, yeah I'm not, okay, all right. I just, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, try, okay. That, that <laughs> sounded a lot better to me, okay. and that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, I'm not gonna get into the whole, like, there's a whole, like, religious component to yeah. to me but we're not going to talk about that we're going to okay. we're going to save that for maybe another episode or whatever but so i feel like that might be like if anybody else feels that way somebody might not feel as though the election might be important cuz like we're all going to die soon or something <laughs> like that but um yeah i think it's going to be very important especially with Donald Trump trying to run again I just, like, I want to see, like, who's going to win. I want to be like, is, are people actually going to vote for him again? And, like. Sadly, I think that there are. Something that was interesting that I, the, um, when I was talking to um, Ebony and Christina, they had brought up, 
you know, because I had asked, uh, I had asked them if you know, how did they feel about um, the candidates and what are their thoughts? And one of the things that they brought up was saying that it can't just be somebody that's going to run on an anti-Trump like platform. Like they have to actually reach these people that he reached who were felt dis- disenfranchised and angry about the way the country goes and stuff. Now, granted, I think a lot of them are racist, um, but there aren't. There's, you know, there are a lot of them that are not, and they genuinely felt disenfranchised. I feel like they got conned because I feel like Trump is a excellent con man, and he played them. But so do you think they're right in that regard? Like this candidate that goes up against him, like, do you care that they're not just anti-Trump? Or do you feel like they have to have, like, a actual plan and not just be like, hey, I'm not Trump? Well, did did Hillary Clinton have, was that, like, her thing when she was running against him? Her thing was more, I felt like she ran more of saying that she was going to be doing what, um, like, continuing on what, President Obama did. Oh. And also a lot of progressive ideas that Bernie Sanders was running on. And the other thing that she kept touting was that she was super experienced and super qualified, way more qualified than Trump and way more stable. She was right. She was absolutely 100% right. But I feel like people just got caught up into the whole... They, they was, oh, her emails and this and that. And which is the reality of it is, to me, they just use that as an excuse of they didn't want to vote for a woman. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that, I guess, angered me the most from 2016 is, like, this it's 2016. We live in this country that touts itself as being super about freedom and diversity and and being so progressive and especially in regards to women and yet there's other countries that are way less progressive than america and they've had women leaders world leaders in power and yet america has never had it and that's the closest we got and it's like you know the majority of white women voted for Trump, which makes my head explode because I don't get it. It's like <laughs> as if it's as if most black people when Obama was running voted for John McCain. It's like that's the, like it's a woman. And I'm not saying you have to just vote for the person yeah. because she's a woman. But it's like this guy is very it's a, it, it just it was a bit of a mind blowing thing to me. And, you know. So I was just curious as to like, do you feel like it matters if the person is like anti-Trump or this like you pref- you care more about what the issues are? Um, I feel like it, the issues are important because I feel like if you because you don't want to ju- you're trying to like you said win everybody's vote, so including the vote of those who are for Trump. So I mean, it might be difficult if you're issues or policies are different than the ones that Trump would be like going for. So I don't think it would be best to be like an anti-Trump campaign. So cuz then you're just going to have everybody who voted for Trump vote for Trump again. Mhm. So okay. 
Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Samaya. This was very like enlightening to me, and I'm I'm excited for you to have the opportunity to have your voice heard because that's what it is. When you vote, you have your voice heard. Nothing frustrates me more than people that complain about people who are in office and then I go, hey, did you vote? No, I ain't vote because it didn't matter. Well. You have no. Yes. You have no. Yeah, shut up. Then shut up. Yeah, like it's like. Chancing. Exactly. It's like like if you had the opportunity to direct the new X-Men movie and the person was like, no, I'm not going to direct it. And then, well, no, that's a bad example because (laughs) I, you know, it's like, well, no, wait, yeah. It's like if you had the exit, if you had the opportunity to have input on the new X-Men movie and you chose not to, but then when it comes out and it sucks, you're like, well, this, this. well, look, dummy, you had an opportunity to be involved with it and you didn't. So shut up. Like, you need to get yourself involved. And speaking of the new X-Men movie, the reviews are in and it sounds like it's terrible but I could have told you that just from looking at some of the previews. Now, is that because you don't like how they they changed the? Well, characters? they're terrible. I mean, they 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 made some poor decisions. But that's gonna be a topic for another podcast. Thanks again for joining me, Samaya. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing your career as you soar, because you're going to do great, and 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 you're gonna do positive things. So thanks for joining the Zero to 100 podcast. That brings us to the end of the Zero to 100 podcast, episode 13. Big shout out of thanks to um, my cousin, Dr. Ebony and Christina and my niece, Samaya. Um, Really appreciate them participating. Again, the second part of my conversation with Ebony and Christina will be in um, probably the next episode. Um, it may be an episode after that. It depends on what the subject matter is because I have a number of different topics that I actually have in my head that I've been trying to work out. Um, so at this point in time, we're going to get into the political spotlight and the political spot spotlight for this episode. Um, like we've already done Joe Biden. We did Bernie Sanders. We did Kamala Harris. And so this time we're going to do Pete Buttigieg and Let's start there because his last name is very difficult to pronounce. It's very difficult to say, but I was looking at an article when I was reading up on him and they say it's pronounced uh, boot, like B-O-O-T, and then edge, edge. So the word edge, edge. And so what it sounds like is boot, edge, edge. So it's Pete boot, edge, edge. And uh, so, who is Pete Boot Boot Edge Edge? I'm just going to say Mayor Pete because that's what everybody calls him because his last name is difficult. Um, But he is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, which is the fourth largest city in the state of Indiana. He is also the second youngest man to run for president of the United States. He is only 37 years old. He uh, was also a part of the um what's it navy reserves i want to say navy reserves i apologize i have to look it up to be 100 percent sure again um but he he was um 
he's a very young guy. When people were sitting there talking about what is his qualifications and he doesn't have the experience, when he was first announcing his running, he pointed out how he actually has more uh, government experience and um, more experience running uh, a political office or running a government or an administration than the current president, which is absolutely true. Um, also, I find it hilarious that Republicans were trying to attack him because uh, he took a hiatus from being mayor. Uh, he took a leave of absence uh, from being mayor, and they were calling him part-time Pete. But, yeah, the reason he was he took that leave of absence was because he actually went and was serving in the reserves in Afghanistan. So... I don't know if you really want to point that out when the guy that's currently in office got out of it because he claimed uh, he, he got out of serving in the military during the draft because he claimed he had bone spurs so from his family doctor. So, of course, he couldn't serve. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't really point that out. Um, the pros that I found when I was looking into Mayor Pete is that one he's very young he's so he's a fresh face he's got some new ideas and some new approaches to things he was very popular in south bend um he won his re-election campaign rather easily um one of his big initiatives to help the city economically was uh, 1000 homes in 1000 days which is um was which was his plan to um demolish or renovate um 1000 homes and um i'm gonna get a little bit more in detail in regards to that plan later but it, he it's one of his programs that he touts as a success as um as to why he should be president of the united states um when i was taking a look like his his platform is you know centered around three main things which he says is freedom, security, and democracy. In regards to the freedom, um, he believes in universal health care. Um, that is something that he is definitely pushing. Um, with higher education, he believes in um, free, you know, excuse me, debt-free college. He's, he's pushing for um, public colleges in particular to truly be debt free. Um, he feels like that can actually be done through uh, state and federal partnerships to make tuition more affordable, um, especially for uh, lower income households uh, and to increase Pell grants, uh, which are uh, grants that people can use to pay for higher education. Um, he also believes that historically black colleges and universities and um, minority serving institutions um, are, you know, very important, vital to the, to minorities so that they can uh, achieve higher education. He's uh, pushing for gender equity, uh, also LGBTQ. Uh, TQ rights. He is the first openly gay man that would be running for president. Um, in regards to security, he is, um, you know, he cares about climate change. Um, you know, he talks about gun laws. Uh, but when I was looking at his, his thoughts on gun laws in particular, he, you know, was more so just pushing for universal background checks, nothing about assault rifle bans or uh, bans of certain weapons that um, most people get their hands on that you really don't think they should have. Um, affordable housing. Uh, in regards to democracy, he 
is a strong advocate for voting rights. He um, is against gerrymandering, which is how people stack the deck and, and shape the map so that regardless of who's running or how many people um, would, would most like live in one section of the state or section of, you know, they, it would automatically go for this party or that party. Um, he does want to get rid of the electoral college, um, so, which is, you know, something that he's going for. Um, again, that, that, I mean, look, I'm all for that as well, but you gotta be a little bit realistic here and, um, it would take, he would have to convince Congress and Senate to be able to, to change, it would take a constitutional amendment to get that done. So good luck with that. Um, so the other thing that is a, a, a good thing about him is I would say is just that he has a, a fresh approach to certain problems and things and he has like a new way of looking at things because of his youth. Um, if I were to get into a little bit of the negatives, he falls into the trap. I would say that a lot of people, uh, a lot of um, people who aren't people of color fall into. And sometimes it's hard for, I would say it would probably definitely be hard for him to relate to minorities. And, um, you know, I mentioned his 1,000 homes in 1,000 days, and what the point of that program was is that he wanted to, um, it was it was tear down or renovate uh, 1,000 vacant and abandoned homes, and he was going to have them bulldozed or repaired within 1,000 days. And in fact, his plan finished ahead of schedule. Um, you know, so he'll, he'll tout it as a great success and everything is one of the things that he's he was really, you know, putting out there when he first started running. But the thing that he kind of didn't mention was that the plan itself um, sort of re reeked of gentrification. And what that is, is when you have wealthy people, which typically aren't people of color, move into a neighborhood and then they build it up and then they push the people who were living there for years in that community um, out of their homes and then, you know, like they take over a neighborhood and, and price them out and everything. And um, so it, 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 he has that thing where it's 40% of South Bend was made up of people of um, African-American and Latino descent and these were the people that were mostly impacted by it and um and one of the ways is that the program was working was if you couldn't afford uh to have their home renovated then there was like this really strong code enforcement um that the city was doing um to get those people like fines and, and stuff like that because they the houses weren't up to code and then you know, if they couldn't fix it, then they were kind of forced out and stuff like that. So, um, that's, that's one little issue. And then the, uh, other issue was, you know, in 2015, he had, you know, he, he had to, he had made a statement and he was talking about like, all lives matter. And for those of you who don't know, that is like a classic retort 
to try to diminish the Black Lives Matter movement. And, um, you know, he apologized for it. He was saying he didn't understand when he said it at the time that it was um, that, you know, people use that term to diminish what the Black Lives Matter movement, which is a movement of calling for uh, calling out social injustice, especially when it applies to black people, like, you know, especially in terms of police killing unarmed black people. And, you know, it's frustrating when people are all like, all lives matter. Yes, we know that. We know all lives matter. That's not like black lives matter saying that oh black lives are more important than other like this white person's life or this asian person lives it's just that this was a problem and it's still a problem that is like you know targeting black people and this is a way of bringing attention to this problem that is targeting black people so when you say all lives matter it's like oh we don't care about your your issue or your social issue it's dismissive and so it's a little troubling that he fell into that trap. Um, also, another thing that he stated that he regretted when he was mayor was when he fired the uh, first black police chief of South Bend. Um, that happened when um, the 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 chief himself was actually under a uh, federal uh, investigation. Like he was advised that. The chief, uh, Daryl Boykins, was um, under FBI investigation, um, and he found this out in 2012. And so at that time, he was only 29, uh, Mayor Pete was only 29 years old. He was newly elected. And when he was told they were investigating the chief in regards to a wiretapping scandal, he just immediately went to him and asked for his resignation. Uh, What it ended up being was the chief was only being investigated because he had reprimanded and um you know really went after some uh officers who were caught on uh conversation a phone conversation um making racist remarks and racist jokes and he you know reprimanded them for it and they were thought that the conversation was private and it wasn't and so because they got reprimanded and everything they went to the fbi um you know, com- like they complained to the FBI about him, you know, listening to their private phone conversations and and um, that triggered an investigation. And this was, you know, Mayor Pete didn't actually hear the tapes and didn't realize that's what it was. So he did say he regretted the way that he moved in that regard. So doesn't have a great track record, I would say, with people of color and minorities. Um, again, those are like just a few things and you know as i've said with all these spotlights i don't take my word for it i want you to do the research yourself um he he definitely seems like a very interesting candidate for sure um so that is mayor pete Buttigieg, and so that's going to bring us to the end of this episode episode 13 of the zero to 100 podcast um I really appreciate all the feedback that I get from you guys. And so I take a, I took a cue from my brother, Ricky, and I did get an email address for the podcast. It is the number zero T O then the number 100 P and then P O D at gmail.com. So it's zero to 100 pod 
at gmail.com. You can email me if you have any thoughts on the episode. Like if you were listening to it, like, oh, I wanted to say something about this person's point. Or if you had some topics that you would think would make a cool episode that you would like to have discussed, hit me up. Or if you had some questions in regards to like some of the information that was presented, like where did I read it? Where did I find it? You know, what are my thoughts on this? Um, could you do a spotlight on this person next? Um, just reach out to me. Let me know. You can also hit me up on Twitter at WCW Poet on uh, Facebook or Instagram. Or if you have the pleasure of having my phone number, you can call me or text me. And, um, you know, the podcast, again, is available on Apple uh, iTunes, Google Play Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast. So you can hear this podcast. And please, please, please subscribe, 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 and share, share, share. It's super important. I really love doing this. I love everybody who supports me. I really greatly appreciate it. This has been so much fun and i look forward to doing more next episode will probably come out if it's not in the middle of this week because again i have the second half of my conversation with ebony and christina and um if it doesn't come out in the middle of the week it'll be again next sunday i like to try to post these at uh, sunday the beginning of the week and um this is the zero to 100 podcast episode 13 we out